the most important thing about Portia White for me is that she was our trailblazer. Every single African-Canadian artist in whatever discipline he or she or they are uh, find themselves ensconced, they owe her something. Welcome to Book Me, sponsored by Nimbus Publishing and Arts Nova Scotia. I'm Costas Halavrezos. Today, author George Eliot Clark. No matter who or what the subject is, George Eliot Clark's exuberant relationship with the English language always makes me feel, as a reader, as if I've just had a few cups of very good, very strong coffee. And since he's chosen a good, strong subject for his latest book, the effect of his writing wakes up all the senses. Portia White, A Portrait in Words, is a cycle of poems about the classically trained contralto who wowed first people in her native province, but then audiences and critics in Toronto and New York. As an African Nova Scotian, she viewed the world through a particular lens, and Dr. Clark has dared to write in her voice to convey the thoughts and emotions behind her artistry and her all-too-brief career. George Eliot Clark, welcome to Book Me. It's great to be here. Now, in the preface, which is also a poem, uh, you tackle the issue of writing in the voice of a person who's dead. What's your justification for that approach? It's uh, unfortunate that Portia White is no longer with us. But as a writer, it is fortunate that she's no longer with us because it gives me the freedom to imagine how she may have felt, what she may have wanted to say, and perhaps could not say on various stages and so forth. Um, and, and as I sort of cheekily say in the preface, one good thing about the dead is that you are allowed to imagine what they could have said. <laughs> and you, you also t take her out of time. You're not really constrained by chronology in this cycle of poems. I think that uh, no matter what one thinks about death in the afterlife, that philosophically, at least, um, time becomes elastic once you have uh, shuffled off this mortal coil, I believe. And and that as a writer, as a, as a creator, um, I did not feel bound by the chronology of her life. Well, let's test that. Let's go to her final command performance with the Queen. Thank you, Costas. It's uh, uh, 1964, and it's the Confederation Center, the opening of the Confederation Center in Charlottetown, PEI. So, in Portia's voice, Music is perfume, I do think, if notes are flowers, if scents are ink, and songs are bouquets that arise from vases of throats and surprise the air with beauty, so one's stunned. Astonished by florals summoned on scales limber as trellises, such sweet solace for palaces, petals of lilts and leaves of trills, aromas only stifling stills. I do think so as my voice flutes, vines of song no critic uproots, for I'm myself a crown jewel fit for the queen, her royal visit to Charlottetown, Prince Edward Isle, where Green Gables green goes viral, to ope the Confederation Center, where conceived the nation nearly a century before did top-hat gents posed, portraying power. 
But here's the queen in spanking white, a gleaming gown all spiffy quite, and the halo-like crown she sports is laurels bright where light cavorts, courting diamonds and portly gems, flourishing serenading hymns, slaves' spirituals I warble as, a vocal artiste no mere jazz singer, a contralto in mink and pearls, spot-lit, what should I think? Opening the treasure chest, that's my heart and lungs to recall what sorrow, those coffle-raised tunes, gold to my silver tongue. Why withhold what noblesse oblige, obliges, to dust off history's digest and chorus potentates with truth? It's what I do, have done, since youth. I shan't schmooze, soothe with serenades. I see slaves shackled in parades when the queen's ancestors enthroned numbered my ancestors as owned as africans judged good as cash who toiled neath smack and crack of lash now portia does muse about what it means as a performer to live as black folks representative in the mid-20th century when there were many black performers under that same public magnifying glass but again, trying to get into inside her head, where, where did she place herself in that spectrum? I mean, you had people like Paul Robeson, you had Marian Anderson, you had perhaps another part of that spectrum, Josephine Baker. Where did she place herself? Uh, she would have been very well aware of the stellar uh, uh, position of many African-American artists, singers, musicians, dancers. And I emphasize American because that's the big difference. Uh, there was uh, no one on this side of the border uh, who had the same kind of recognition uh, and and uh, the same prospects. I mean, there were those who uh, moved to the United States and and enjoyed some acclaim for their work, but she was one who remained anchored in Nova Scotia, in Halifax, until uh, the mid-1940s when she began to be welcomed and accepted in New York and, and managed by Columbia Records, which meant that she had more opportunities to perform in the United States. But she began very much as a Haligonian, as a Nova Scotian, as a native of Truro, and saw that it was partly her mission to bring uh, the genius of of African Nova Scotian song uh, to the world stage as much as possible. And I also believe that she really did aspire to be ranked as greatly as someone like Marian Anderson or to share a stage with someone like Duke Ellington. These were her aspirations, and she was right to have them. Um and and um, uh, I know that she very much enjoyed the trappings of fame and of attention uh, and and uh, would have liked to have had more uh, if it weren't for the fact that she became ill in the mid-1940s, um, 1946 to be exact, and then had problems with her management. Now, as Portia's career blooms in the United States, uh, you have her thinking of reversing the Underground Railroad. Uh, 
which, of course, had brought escaped slaves to Canada. I mean, that perspective certainly differentiates her from black American performers. Absolutely. Um, she recognized that that she was representing uh, Nova Scotia, the Dominion of Canada, as much as she was representing her own African-American slash African-Canadian heritage. Um and and that this was something special that she, and and in fact the government of Nova Scotia made her a kind of it's a terrible word to use but in a sense oh symbol I'll use a better word symbol I was I was thinking mascot but no symbol is better and in the same way that uh, the blue nose got promoted as a means of attracting people to Nova Scotia and of course ending up on the Canadian dime and so forth but so what, was she but what about the incident in the hotel. Uh, yes. Well, that was a reminder of the of the fact, not that she needed a reminder. I'm sure that there were many slights and insults. Well, tell, uh, tell us about that one. Though. Well, that that incident uh, occurred here in Halifax at a, uh, a still operating uh, waterfront hotel uh, where she went to, uh, well, to stay uh, for I'm not sure how long, but in the context of giving a performance, of course. And and uh, she decided to go down to the dining room or, or wished to go down to the dining room to have a meal and was informed by someone in, in the hotel management that this was not quite possible um, as a Negro, as a colored woman. Uh, it would be better for her to dine in her room. Um, she resolved that difficulty by reminding the hotel management that it was the government of Canada that was paying uh, for her stay and that someone might question why she was having to have room service, uh, which, of course, is a little more expensive than regular dining. And on that note, uh, the hotel took note of the fact there could be questions about the expenses and so therefore allowed her to descend to the dining room. Now, as you mentioned, she did get a, a contract with Columbia Records, uh, but between the agents and the artist and repertoire people, they never quite figured out what to do with her talent. What, what do you make of that, anyway? She was Canadian, uh, and, and uh, there were other Canadian uh, singers who, of course, achieved some fame. I'm thinking of Hank Snow, <laughs> uh, suddenly. Um, but uh, uh, I think as a black Canadian performer, as a black Nova Scotia performer, uh, folks in New York were not quite sure how to position her. And also, her repertoire, it was not popular song. It was not jazz, per se. It wasn't Broadway hits, although she could do all of the above and did do all of the above. And sang but some was... jazz in department stores Absolutely. back in the day in, yes. in Halifax? Yes. Uh, and and uh, so she had room for that. I should mention she also played uh, Tituba in a 1959 CBC production of The Crucible. Uh, and and uh, so she had lots of chops. And I'm sure she could dance as well. Um but uh, to answer your question directly, the folks in New York, they already knew that that there were classically trained contraltos on the scene, Marian Anderson being the big name. Um, and so where to put her? And they really never, I don't believe they ever really gave it any careful thought. And by the time uh, that uh, uh, she might have been ready to have had a much greater exposure, uh, her throat uh, developed, um, uh, she developed medical problems with her throat. There had to be surgery, and eventually that forced her retirement from the concert stage. 
so much seemed to conspire against her, though. You know, that operation on her vocal cords, uh, a long struggle with cancer. But you write about what she brought to teaching voice students in the latter part of her life. Uh, she had famous students, Lauren Green, uh, uh, Robert Goulet, Dinah Christie, uh, Don Franks, and, and so forth. And, and, um, and that was a major part. She taught music voice at Branksome Hall uh, in Toronto. Uh, she regularly traveled between Toronto and New York. So, and, of course, she had famous people dropping by her, her uh, studio, her salon, if you like. And, and uh, uh, she... I think really appreciated that window on the larger world. And I think this is the most important thing about Portia White for me is that she was our trailblazer. Every single African Canadian artist in whatever discipline he or she or they are uh, find themselves ensconced, they owe her something and they really need to know about her and her life and her struggles to be heard, to be seen. And I think that's really important because she knew, unlike many artists today who have the freedom to be individuals, uh, she didn't really because she had to be a representative um, whatever her her private desires, wishes might have been, yearnings, uh, she they had to take a little bit of a second place to the fact that she was a public person representing Nova Scotia, representing African Nova Scotia, representing Black Canada, Black Canadians from coast to coast to coast to coast. Uh, and so she had to uh, uh, carry herself with that kind of dignity, panache, uh, seriousness, gravitas. Uh, to be a responsible to that role of representing us so that when she uh, received those ovations, when she received those bouquets, we were receiving those bouquets. We were receiving those ovations. She was achieving that on our behalf and to give us someone to look up to as a creative person, as an artist, so that we might think that it was possible for ourselves to be dancers and musicians and poets and actors. Uh, I think of Walter Borden, who's related to uh, my great aunt Portia, for instance, <laughs> uh, and not to mention other singers and, and musicians who have arisen in her in her wake. And and I know that that uh, superstars like Alessia Cara and Drake and The Weeknd and so forth may not uh, think of her that way. They may not even be very aware of her life. But if it had not been for her bringing a Canadian voice to an international audience, an international audience, a black Canadian voice, I think it would have been commensurately a little more difficult for them uh, to think that they could uh, uh, achieve as much as they have. And in the words you give her, to be the public symbol of dreams that all folks be equal. George Elliott Clark, thank you very much for coming in. Thank you, Costas. Dr. George Elliott Clark is the author of Portia White, A Portrait in Words. Artwork is by Lara Martina. It's published by Nimbus. If you'd like to comment on a podcast like today's with Dr. Clark, our email address is info at bookmepodcast.ca. And if you'd like to hear more conversations with people who create books in Atlantic Canada, you will find plenty on bookmepodcast.ca.
You can also rate or review our podcast on your favorite download site. BookMe is sponsored by Nimbus Publishing and Arts Nova Scotia. Thanks to the Halifax Central Library for the use of its studio. Our producer is Robin Grant, and our technician, Lynn Fox, creates the audio portrait of each and every author on BookMe. I'm Costas Halavrezos. Now, let's go read. All right. <laughs>